Hello everyone, my name is Beryl and welcome to my podcast, Creative Force. If this is your first time listening, it is good to have you with us. For everyone else, I'd like to welcome you back. I'm here to bring you creative people in all genres of art, crafts, culture, and and information about topics of interest. All of these things begin with the force of creativity. If you enjoy listening to Creative Force, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. Okay, um, today I have for a guest Dwight Brewster. And Dwight is like a phenomenal musician and artist. So, Dwight, tell us a little bit about yourself. Mm-mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the time to get dry mouth, you know, yes, when they ask always. you about yourself. That always happens. <laughs> well, um, like where did you start in terms of, of your music? Well, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I started with my father. I never took a lesson in school. I'm totally home taught. Right. Homeschooled in music. My father used to play with Chick Webb, uh, let's see, um, Earl Bostick, and a few guys like that around town. They were the lead dance bands. They used to play with the Savoy. And so those guys used to come by the house and practice. Right. And so I was 9, 10. We lived on Sugar Hill, 129th and St. Nicholas Terrace. That'll do it. And that'll do it. So all <laughs> the, the musicians shuttle through there. So after they left, I tried to play the songs, and that's how I started. Did, were you able to play by ear? I, I am an ear musician who learned to read later. Okay. My father was blind who taught me, so wow. I, there was no reading part of that. A lot of people say, you can't read it. It wasn't yeah. important. No. You no. know what he told me? He said, Dwight, it's not how good you read. It's how good you can play the music and make other people feel it. That's more important than Yes, me. yes. Well, <clears throat> for me, I have, as my parents would say, no musical ability. <laughs> <laughs> they used to ask me if I could sing whatever song it was I was doing far, far away. And um, it took me a while to understand that joke. Mm-hmm. However, my dad is... Um, he plays the sax, and he could play any instrument. Wow. And he comes from a family of musicians. Both his mother and father played music. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother's family were seven sisters, and they all played piano and sang. Mm-hmm. So he, Musical family, in other words. Yes, he grew up with music around him. And eventually, I guess, it got into blues. Mm-hmm. And classic jazz, and so now my dad didn't know how to play by um, reading music. Mm-hmm. He played by ear, as I said, and then eventually learned. My grandmother was one of the only one of the sisters who learned how to play mm-hmm. by um, reading music. Got gotcha. you. And they said that she played mostly chords. I don't know what that means, okay. but it sounded good. But we'll talk about it. <laughs> Off podcast, I'll explain that to you. Well, i just like to add to that. My father and I are the only musical people. None of my kids play. Right. None of their kids play. Matter of fact, my youngest granddaughter, she's six now. Grandpa, are you going to show me how to play the piano? Somebody's got to learn. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess i got to make a, make a way to teach her. So... You play um, classical jazz? Mm, 
No. All right. Tell me what you play. All right. It's hard to describe because back in the 50s and 60s, the powers that be decided that jazz was going to be the nomenclature for all types of black music. Right. Before that, it was race music, and it was all lumped into one pile. Mm-hmm. And then when Charlie Parker and those guys started developing different kinds of music, they developed Afro-Cuban music, mm-hmm. they developed bebop, right. and they also developed Caribbean jazz. Okay. Caribbean jazz didn't get the name. It got lumped in. Right. Okay, so I'm a Caribbean jazz player. All right. I'd like to give you an example of Caribbean jazz. Please do. Ba-bee-ba-ba-doo-bee-boo-da-ba-dee-doo-day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear I, it. I so hear as soon it. as I sing that, everybody <laughs> knows that St. Thomas. That's what's coming. By Sonny Rollins, 1954. Mm-hmm. So it all happened around the same time. Right, right, right. But uh, I spoke to Jimmy Cobb. He was a dr- he's a drummer. He was on Miles Davis' uh, Kind of Blue album. He said, Dwight, we didn't play jazz. We never played jazz. We jazzed things up. Mm. So once you hear that, you realize they would take the Tim Pan Alley songs from Broadway Uh and they jazzed them up to show the difference in their musical expertise Mm. from other people's. So when Jazz It Up got so popular, the It's Up got relegated out of this picture and it became jazz. And that's... Well, I'm playing Caribbean jazz. Okay. Do you still have a band? Yes, I do. It's and called Dr. Mambo and the Experience Ensemble. Or... And you're Dr. Mambo. Yes, I'm Dr. Mambo. <laughs> I'm Dr. Mambo. Okay. So um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon is um, I know you have a radio show. Yes, I do. Um, please give us the name, the station number. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, when, and when you're on. Right. Uh, the, the program I... Um, I'm the host of is called The World of Jazz. I'm on WBAI Radio 99.5 FM, New York City, and also on the World Wide Web at WBAI.org.org. And it's the Caribbean Jazz Radio Show. Okay. Where I try to play a music that makes your foot tap and right. your head beat, but it's still jazz. Okay. Still has all the elements of bebop, mm-hmm. mambo, right. calypso, so I like to play music with rhythm that's from the Caribbean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of the historian part. Cuba and New Orleans are less than 100 miles apart. Right. right. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. 150 miles apart. People have been exchanging music through that corridor for hundreds of years. That's right. That's so right. let's not get it twisted, folks. Well, But nobody wants to talk about that. Right. Well, you know, being from Brooklyn, New York, when I was, well, before I was a teenager, preteen, my sister and her husband introduced me to Afro-Cuban mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I loved it, but didn't know what to do with it. Then when I became a teenager, one of my best friends in school um, was Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And they used to have um, confraternity dances mm-hmm. at local churches mm-hmm. on Friday nights. Friday nights. And the church that she belonged to was in Canarsie. So it was very mixed. And back then, Puerto Ricans and blacks used to really party together. We ran together. All right. So she said, well, you have to learn how to, they didn't call it salsa back then. For me, it was you have to learn how, how to Latin. Latin. Mm-hmm. Cha-Cha mm-hmm. and Mambo. Mm-hmm. And they taught me all three. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I was sold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I have to be honest with you. I was so sold on it. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to Bronx High School of Science, I went to Dewey Clinton because okay. all the musicians <laughs> went there. And uh, it worked out well for me because uh, some of the people I met introduced me to um, uh, Charlie Palmieri. Mm. And Charlie Is that pa- Eddie Palmieri's his bro- oldest brother okay. who became my music teacher. Okay. So. Charlie taught Eddie and me. Uh-oh. Those are the only two people he ever gave classes <laughs> See, I didn't to. know Charlie, but I sure did know oh, Eddie Palmieri with Azuka Bhatti. All right. <laughs> well, that's the one that put me over the top. Okay. And we'll talk about that later uh-huh. as I introduce you to some of my friends. But overall, I met these guys at uh, the school, and uh, they introduced me to the guy who ran Allegre Records. Mm-hmm. And he liked me so much because I was an African-American who knew how to mambo. That's right. So he wanted to make a record out of me. But you know who else used to mambo? Italians. Yes, they mambo. <laughs> hey, and you know where they went? They're the ones that helped of, of, of start up Arthur Murray's dance studio. Okay. Because that's where everybody went to learn. To learn it. Back then. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if they didn't learn from home that's or right. in the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I got nice. a story for you later. Okay. All right. All right. So um, I just want to ask you just a few typical... Please. Interview questions, Have at and it. that would be, what would you advise yourself now? Back when you were young, what what advice would you give to your younger you? Uh, don't be so headstrong with what you know, and take your ass back there and learn how to read better than everybody else. Read because, what words? M- word m- well, read music because. Oh, okay. And there's a reason why I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't read at all till I was in the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I had a form of dyslexia right. where the letters ran together, the E's were backwards, or like if it was an E, an E has three lines that went, you know, parallel and right. one line that was vertical. Right. Well, the parallel lines would disappear and come in where they wanted. Wow. So I couldn't tell if it was an F or an E. Mm-mm. That's a problem. Or an A. That's a problem. <laughs> so I couldn't read at all till I was in the fourth grade. They thought I was retarded, all lot of things. And then something clicked. The teacher said, well, listen, you have to come back, you know, over the Christmas vacation, <clears throat> and you have to read four books. And something happened all across Christmas. Okay. And I could read. I read 42 books. That's amazing. And I taught them in. So I should have taken that same vim and vigor and applied it to music. By the way, the notes still fade in and out today. Okay. All, all right. right. Is That's that a, a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, for me, I think it's a bad thing because I lost a lot of opportunity. Because of it. Because of it. But... Because it happened, it made me refocus on what I knew best and to become an expert and later on a historian at it. Okay. So um, what are your thoughts on today's hip-hop and rap music? Uh, I like hip-hop and rap. I think it's uh, the creativity is out of sight. I understand that the music instruments were taken out of the school. When I went to school, there were trombones, trumpets, drums, everybody. We had all kind of instruments. Uh, even though I wasn't in a music department, anytime once they found out who I was at school, they mm-hmm. let me do whatever I wanted. I would take out the whole auditorium okay. and have 50 musicians in there. What about the film? Well, well let me finish. All right, let me all right. finish. Sorry. So what happened was, so I understand by taking these music, uh, uh, these instruments out of the school, the rappers. And the DJs showed they had other creativity. Nice. They used what they had. You don't give us instruments? Well, then we're going to make music with this. <laughs> I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Bad part about it. 
The music industry as it is today and always was been is based upon who owns the songs. Mm -hmm. One of the things that made Motown so powerful was that if you wrote a, a hit song like Ashford and Simpson's Ain't No Mountain High Enough, five acts recorded that. Right. And so they were able to share the love between themselves. Mm -hmm. Hip-hop, man, you bit my music, you shot him in the head. Crazy. Yeah. That means the song only played one time, and when it died, it was over. Mm -hmm. Nobody could revitalize true. it for That's you. That's very true. There it is. That's very true. Very interesting, too. I also think that the management or the business of music should be taught more or incorporated in the schools. Uh, I'd like to comment on that. One word, racism, because it is taught in schools, just not ours. Uh -huh. We had to make our own schools where we could teach this. Uh -huh. But if you went to the University of Illinois, they taught music there. Mm -hmm. Not only how to play music, but how to manage music. Okay. And in certain law schools, they showed you how to be an entertainment attorney. Okay. They didn't teach that at Loyola. No, no. <laughs> okay. I went. I went to Brooklyn. I wonder if they taught it there. Well, check and see. You'll find. I, I, you'll I find. Think I'm gonna have to. You'll find that <laughs> it came to our schools that we could attend much, much, and let me add two more muches later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of your own music, where do you draw your inspiration from? Because you do write your own lyrics. Yes, I do. Lyrics and music. Okay. Most of the stuff that. I would say 90% of the stuff that uh, Dr. Mama plays is from my own head. Okay. And uh, I've worked on some of the songs forever, and some they just pop in overnight. My favorite way is uh, I have a dream that I'm at a club, and I say, wait a minute, I've never heard that before. I try my best to remember that song. Yes. And of two of the songs that we play right now, I remember it like that. Mm -hmm. But my general inspiration is based upon the original guy's who I heard playing this music. Mm -hmm. And that's the Cuban guys, Eddie and Charlie Palmieri, mm -hmm. and the Legway All-Star Records. I right. draw my inspiration from them. But I like the Bebop Cats, so I try to incorporate as much of that I can. Right. And I think, at least I hope, that makes my music a little bit unique. So besides the form of jazz, um, and I'm going to use the term Latin salsa, mm -hmm. the music that you play, is there any genre that I might be surprised to know that you really like? Oh, so genre, well, you got me there. Nobody's <laughs> ever asked me that before. Very good, Burl. Well, I would have to say early R&B. Mm -hmm. Okay. Only problem is I've been hearing these same songs for 30 years. Right. And now I'm a little tired of them now, but mm -hmm. I know them all. I can sing yes. them all. And be surprised there's a healthy portion that I actually played on and got paid for making that record. Okay, all right. So that's, I love that stuff. <laughs> that's, uh, I guess you would say that's 70s and 80s R&B. Yes, yes. All right, so for our readers who have never heard your music, mm -hmm. explain your sound in five words. Caribbean jazz dance mambo stuff. Okay, you did it, you did it. <laughs> All right, if you could, this is going to be my last question. Okay. If you could go and open for any artist on tour right now, who would it be? Fantastic. I would like to open for one of the Ransom Cootie Sons. That's okay. Fela Sons. All right. They play a brand of Afro pop that is different from what I play, but we swing the same style. I think they'd get off hearing us. 
and we'd fire up that stage <laughs> and make sure they came on hot after us because I'm sure they've never heard what we're doing. Mm-hmm. All right, I lied. I have two more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do you think about when you're performing? What do I think about when I'm performing? Mm-hmm. Nothing but performing. Okay. Uh, in the old days, I used to uh, maybe have a drink of wine mm-hmm. or two to two to two. Right, right, right. No. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. So I could stay focused on what I'm doing. Right. Which is lead the band, call the right songs, read the crowd, say the right words. Yes. And to do that, you have to be sober. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. <clears throat> As I told you, my, my grandmother was a... Um, um, musician and singer down in New Orleans mm-hmm. for quite a few years, actually in her later years mm-hmm. in life. And one of the musicians that she introduced me to was Greg Stafford. Greg Stafford, and, I know that name. And he plays the uh, trumpet. Mm. But So when he comes to New York to play on on a set or a gig, I we, al- we we always meet each other. Mm-hmm. So I always said, well, let's go to this place to eat or that place to eat. He says, no, no, no. I have to eat a certain type of thing mm-hmm. because I cannot afford for anything to go wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> See, a lot of people think that when the, the musicians, oh, they go on the road, they have so much fun. <laughs> That's horse manure. No, uh-huh. We have to live a dedicated life right on a point on a schedule, eat the right thing, That's go right. to bed at the right time, because without my health, I can't perform, and you don't get paid till the tour's over. That's right. That's right. Got to complete the tour. All right. Now, this one, I promise, is Yay. my last question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we expect from you in the future? Well, um, I'm working on a project that I originally masterminded with my sister, Joanne Brewster Cheatham. Uh, Joanne and I... Um, brother and sister, we have the same father, different mother. So we were friends up until she was 16 and I was 12. And when my father decided to move his second family, myself and my younger sister, to the Bronx, Joanne's mother moved her to Brooklyn and I never saw her again. Wow. 33 years later, someone calls me and says, Hi, I'm your sister, Joanne. Ah! And come to find out we lived in the same zip code and I could walk to her house. Oh, my gosh. So we talked every day for 10 years. Was that in Brooklyn? In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, of course, we realized that we both had communications degrees. We both realized that we were publishers. That's so funny. So we realized our father trained us to work together. That's amazing. So we decided to work together. So we built this company called Tremendous Media Group, LLC. Okay. All right. And so we put together a basic plan on how we are going to do it. She had the magazine, Pure Jazz Magazine. I had the radio show, World of Jazz Radio. And we were going to build Tremendous Media TV starting right here in Brook. All right. This is the place to do it if you're going to do it. Uh, but then she got sick and she passed away. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, so uh, it's taken the family a while to regroup. Um, my sister, my, Our younger sister and two of our siblings are helping us with the magazine. What are their names? Uh, Danielle is uh, the magazine, and Felicia, my daughter, they're helping us with that. Okay. Uh, Social media and um, with the magazine. My sister Agnita is now the new publisher. And uh, so I have the plan that Joanne and I wrote out, out, 
Right. So I'm following the plan. And that's nice. So that's what we have next. That's right. Family legacy. Well, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. But I have to be honest, I'm a year down the road because it took so much energy. And I cried for so long, Beryl. I mean, I looked for her for 30 years. And mm-hmm. just when we're getting ready to do something, yeah. God has another plan. And right. you have to be ready for it. Of course, of course. So I just would like you, Dwight, just to um, let our listeners know once more where they can find you on the radio, where they can find you on the Internet. Sure. Now, on the radio, I'm at WBAI.org. That's the World of Jazz, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. I'm on the staff at... Pure Jazz Magazine, and you it's all online magazine now. Uh-huh, nice. So you can go to www.purejazzmagazine.net and look out for TMG TV. We're starting up uh, 2018. We're starting. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much oh, you, for any, coming in. Anytime, bro. And it was so much fun interviewing you. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening today. All right. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Creative Force. If you like what you hear, I would love it if you have a moment to head over to soundcloud.com slash bk slash creative force. Give us a review or a rating. It really helps other folks to find the podcast. Thanks for listening and chat with you soon. Ciao.